Hello and welcome to Woe is Media. This is a podcast with myself, Annabelle, and my co-host here, Alyssa, and we're going to talk about what's going on in this crazy world we live in, in the media. Um, we're here to cover some stories that are going on in the news, as well as things that are going on in pop culture and entertainment to kind of give you guys a little bit of a balance of the fun stuff, but also what's important for you to know. So we're here to talk about that today. Um, so we'll get started with our first story, which is a news story. Um, so, oh my God. <laughs> oh, it's good. It's good. Keep going, girl. We, we didn't talk about like, do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? Or we didn't really talk about that. I kind of threw her under the bus. I was like, you started this. You going first. I know. <laughs> But it's all good. We just we just here to have fun. We're just here to kiki with y'all and talk about things that we care about and hopefully you will care about as well. So we'll get started talking about um, one of our first stories today. Um, just a disclaimer, Alyssa and I both know that obviously COVID-19 is a big thing going on in the media right now, but we feel as if you guys have more than enough uh, coverage of that from other news sources. We all know what's going on. We all know how awful it is. Um, we're here to talk about maybe some of the stories going on in the news and in pop culture that maybe you aren't as aware of, um, just to kind of give you a more well-rounded view. So one of the first things I wanted to talk about today is this new kind of up and coming app that's actually still in beta testing. It's Ooh. called Clubhouse. Oh, <coughs> sorry. You go. I had a tickle in my throat. So it's called Clubhouse. Um, so this is an app right now that is invite only um, because it's still in beta testing. So you have to know somebody who's on the app already to kind of get an invitation to it. She's the way exclusive. That it, yes, very exclusive. The way that it works is it's sort of like an audio version of Reddit. So if you think about Reddit's platform, it's very text heavy, um, but you go into different subreddits to kind of discuss different topics that you're interested in. You have discussions about everything from politics to, as we saw a couple weeks ago in the media, stocks um, and what's popular to buy and stuff like that. Um, We're not mentioning club, any names. No, not mentioning any names at all about the stock market. Um, but Clubhouse is similar because there are different discussion rooms for different topics, but it's all audio. So it's, I guess, similar to Zoom where you're able to have actual discussions with people and hear their voices, but there's no video. So it's kind of like a hybrid of Zoom and Reddit. Um, but it's a really cool app and it's actually garnered a lot of recent attention. Um, it used to be they had a very low user base. They would have roughly 1000 users a week or so. But what's really cool and what I wanted to highlight during February Black History Month is that the black community, especially black artists, they've been a huge part of getting Clubhouse to grow its user base to have a much larger following than it originally did. We've seen artists on there like Drake, they've gone on there to talk with fans and yes, <laughs> big, big names, big what? names. You um, can't see my face, but I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, uh, Drake's on there, you know it's legitimate. Yeah, he doesn't waste Aubrey. his time. He doesn't waste <laughs> his time with just anything. But um, yeah, so it's um, the black community and especially black artists, they've been really instrumental in getting Clubhouse to be a much more popular app, people who go on there 
really, really love it. Um, they spend a lot of time on there. You can spend hours just talking to people about whatever topics interest you. You can kind of get to know people, sort of make some internet friends. I've seen it for that purpose too. Um, but what's interesting about the whole popul growing popularity of Clubhouse and the development of it is that we, we've seen Facebook do this with other social media platforms. So Facebook does not like to be threatened. No, at all. <laughs> so their strategy tends to be, if there's a new popular social media app, they either try to acquire it and bring it under the Facebook umbrella, or they basically try and copy the product and just put it onto Facebook's platform. We've seen them do that with stories. Now there are Facebook stories like Snapchat has because Facebook actually tried to acquire Snapchat a few years ago. That didn't work mm -hmm. out for them. Snapchat's their own company, obviously. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, Mark Zuckerberg's aggressive. And what he did with Clubhouse is he shamelessly used the platform. He went on to Clubhouse and he started talking to Clubhouse users transparently. He was like, hey, I'm, like, I'm Mark Zuckerberg. What do you like about Clubhouse? Can you imagine? What do you like about Clubhouse? How often do you spend time on it? What do you do? What do you use it for? Who do you talk to here? Basically, conducting shamelessly conducting, I might add, a focus group on Clubhouse about Clubhouse, so that he can copy it on his own. Mm -hmm. These people are just minding their own business in their little chat room, and all of a sudden, this man comes in with one of those like Groucho Marx sunglasses, and he's like, "Hey, I just wanted to uh, see what you like about this place." Yeah. Which I thought was wild. I mean, that's that's pretty bold to use a platform that you are trying to kind of, if not acquire, build a similar version on your own social network. Oh, absolutely. And just talk talk to the the users of it about what they like about it, like hosting basically a focus group. I don't know. I just I thought that was kind of crazy. He's he's pretty shameless, but you know he's he's out here hustling. He's trying to grow Facebook. I guess we have to commend him for that. My um, question. I do yes. have one. Has he been in talks with Drake? I don't think so. Okay, good. I don't, I can't imagine the two would associate with each other. I, I can't imagine them getting along very well. No, that just, that seems like an odd combination to me. Mm -hmm. I could be wrong. I don't know who runs in Mark Zuckerberg's circle or Drake's circle apart from there. Their friendship would give me very like Dennis Rodman, Kim Jong-un vibes. Like very like, how did these two people meet? what how how have they been running in the same circles so yeah i'm glad he hasn't gotten his hands on aubrey yet yeah that um that's a relief for sure but what i also kind of wanted to highlight about the clubhouse story is that so because it's still in beta testing it's still considered a startup which means it's not a company that you know maybe it's a household name maybe it's not if it's a startup it means they're still in the process of making a lot of changes they haven't made any money yet they're just trying to spend money to make money at this point get the product mm -hmm. growing things like that um so th the people who are involved in clubhouse who are kind of on the financing side are investors called venture capital firms which if you don't know venture capital firms are basically these firms of people who they want to give money to companies that they think are very up and coming, that they're going to have big ideas that are going to make a product or a service that's really going to kind of make a splash in the economy. Mm -hmm. So venture capital firms, they work to figure out who those companies are. They find products and teams of people who they can back. They give them their money to kind of get the company up and growing. Um, and then they end up reaping a return on their investment. 
So right now, because Clubhouse is a very like young app and a young platform, it's still in the venture capital stage. Um, and what's interesting about this is 70% of the venture capital industry is white men. 70% is white oh, men. Oh, surprise, surprise. Yeah, no shock there. As somebody who works in finance, I can highlight how lopsided it is with the diversity. That's definitely something the industry should work to change. But it's interesting that an app such as Clubhouse that has really attributed its growth to the Black community and Black artists the black community, they're not the ones who are able to profit off of the clubhouse growth right now. Mm-hmm. It's just the, the white men basically who are <laughs> running a bunch of capital firms. They've made 10 times on their investment already because mm-hmm. of the growth. So they really owe a lot of their profitability right now to the black community. And it's unfortunate that the black community is not able to kind of build in some of this wealth sharing. Um, so hopefully going forward, we see clubhouse maybe make a initial public offering where people can, you know, anybody can invite, can invest and buy stocks of this company. And that way, hopefully um, people who are currently excluded from the investing process, but who believe in Clubhouse still can kind of back the company and hopefully um, reap a little bit of returns off them. So that's, that's definitely something I hope to see going forward. Clubhouse, I think it's still in early stages, but it's got a ways to go. Um, they have 2 million weekly users and their valuation right now is a billion dollars, which makes them unicorn status. Ooh, mm-hmm. I don't really know what that means, but it sounds exciting. A unicorn is basically something the venture capital industry describes as a startup with a valuation of a billion dollars or more. So evaluation is like, it's how you value a business based on its current um, financing like needs, where the money's going, how are they going to make money? What are the growth projections? Where is their market? Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. It's, I could get into the granular details of it, but I'm not going to, cause it's boring. But um, they, it just means that the valuation of a company is a billion dollars or higher and it's still in its early startup stages. So other examples of unicorns before they went public would be like Lyft or Uber or Spotify. Those were all unicorns. That makes a lot of sense now. So Clubhouse, basically, people are betting big on it. They think it's going to be kind of the next big social media app. Gotcha. Okay. It kind of reminds me of how, like, you know how when series are being, like, promoted, like, television or, like, mostly television, but, like, they'll be renewed for another season before the first season even airs. That's kind of what the the feel that that is giving me. Is it kind of? With the valuation you mean yeah like people see a lot of potential like in these apps and these shows so they're like okay we're gonna go ahead and invest a lot of money into the future of them yeah absolutely and i think the venture capital firms who are backing this almost all of the major venture capital firms are based in silicon valley california um because we know that that's kind of the tech startup capital of the world Mm -hmm. you know facebook came out of there Um, you know, Google's located out there, Apple's in Cupertino, all those things like that. So I think the venture capital firms are, they like to focus on very technology specific companies. Um, And the main metrics that they're going to look at are user growth, how long are users on, you know, the platform for, is there any potential for ad revenues, stuff like that. So yeah, I agree. I think it is kind of something where they're anticipating growth. It's something where people will want to spend a lot of time on. 
Um, and it's really perfect timing with the pandemic because people are really kind of craving that human interaction. And this is a safe way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, to be able to connect with people who have similar interests with you, that's really invaluable. Um, and I think investors are definitely betting that this will continue to be a thing and hopefully after COVID sort of hopefully it keeps declining. So <laughs> do you have any other comments before I move to the next story I've got? You're doing a great job. Oh, thank you, babe. I, appreciate it. <laughs> I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> First podcast. So this is, this is all new for me, but <laughs> she's doing um, great. So I'll, I'll preface that I studied business in college. I work in the financial services field now. So I really enjoy kind of discussing business and things that go on in that world. And a lot of people maybe don't fully understand like finance or investing or businesses and things like that. And that's totally okay. Um, I think a lot of media outlets are not the best about being, you know, reader friendly about it. They don't really water it down for people to understand, or they don't put it into layman's terms. They just make it unnecessarily complicated. So that's kind of a goal lesson I have is to just sort of put things in layman's terms and not make anything too fancy. We want to be real with this and, you know, just not make anything harder than it has to be. Life is hard enough, you know? Absolutely. And speaking of someone who has known Annabelle for like over four or five years now, like I, I try to understand this and she does a great job of breaking it down to making it so my less than business savvy self can understand it. So just, you know. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so my next story here that I wanted to talk about is General Motors, who's kind of been an American stalwart in the, mm. um, in the automobile industry. Mm-hmm. So General Motors, we know, is a company that had major, major ups and downs, you know, since its creation. Um, it went completely bankrupt, um, you know, around the time of the financial crisis and the U.S. government had to bail it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the reason it still exists today is because of that bailout back in 2008. Um, but they, they've recently been very ambitious and they've been doing very well. Um, I think it's interesting to see that their sales have been so strong because with the pandemic, you would think that cars are one of the last things that people would want to put their money into just because of the cost of a new car is, you know, quite expensive. If you can get along with an old car, why would you bother buying a new one? Um, But I guess that does kind of show where with the pandemic right now, the rich are getting richer, the poor are getting poorer, you know, the wealth wealth divide is not going well. So people who probably can't afford new cars are getting them. Um, Mm -hmm. It definitely does not apply to everybody. But with General Motors, they made a record six billion in profit last year. (laughs) It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money on cars. But what is interesting is that two billion of it is actually going to have to so a third of their profit is going to have to go to covering a major mistake they made at the beginning of covid and to be fair it's a mistake that probably anybody would have made to be fair to be fair (laughs) that probably anybody would have made so when covid was first you know growing back in mid-march and it was kind of exploding and people were panicking and stuff like that we saw the stock market tank we saw you know there were stay-at-home orders, things like that. GM was like, okay, nobody's going to buy cars right now. Mm-hmm. We don't need to make this many. Nobody's going to buy cars. People are getting laid off left and right. They're going to have to use their savings to cover, you know, 
any sort of medical expenses or if they got laid off, they're gonna have to live off their savings, things like that. So what they did was they canceled a bulk order for computer chips that they put into the computers and the touchscreens and their cars. Yeah. The newer models, they totally canceled it. Little did they know production was going to be in high demand. Like I said, the rich got richer and they're affording oh. new cars. So they have a high demand for these new cars and they're not able to keep up with that production because they don't have the chips that they need to make the cars. Mm-hmm. So canceling that costs them $2 billion, Whew. which I think is um, you know, pretty wild and maybe a little presumptuous on their part to kind of cancel that order. To my knowledge, I don't think there's anything wrong with like sitting on a surplus of computer chips. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't expire. They're not, <laughs> it's not like, you know, fruits and vegetables that'll rot over time, right? Yeah, like, I would hope not. <laughs> I guess they were trying to cut costs and that's why they decided to, um, you know, cancel those. But it, it ended up being a major issue because production, they could not meet the demand for cars. Um mm-hmm. But GM is, you know, trying not to let that bog them down too much. They actually have a very big ambition and they want to use all of that remaining profit and kind of pour it into development of electric vehicles. And the company wants to be purely just selling electric vehicles by 2035. Which we support. Which we absolutely support because we have to save the planet. This is the only planet we get unless we figure out how to go to Mars or the moon. So <laughs> talk, talk to Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos about that. We, no, we no, don't we gotta know. stay on earth. We can't go to space <laughs> just yet. So yeah. Um, so that's exciting. I mean, it sounds like it's a ways off, but it's less than 15 years at this point. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's super ambitious. Um, and I think what they really want to do with it is they're trying to just obviously help make their, um, their carbon footprint a lot smaller. And because GM has so many very popular brands like Chevrolet and Cadillac, Hummer, which we saw go away for a while, but is now back. um, Mm -hmm. They have so many popular brands and a lot of people want to buy American cars who are in America to, you know, support American manufacturing and things like that. So I think they're really kind of using that to their advantage and hopefully they can help American people make that conversion to electric vehicles. Electric vehicles only make up less than 2% of the U.S. car market right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so they obviously have a ways to go if we want all people to drive electric cars. Um, but I think they're also sort of betting that um, with the new Biden-Harris administration, typically when we see Democrats come into office, green energy companies and stocks of that nature, those tend to go up because Mm -hmm. Democrats are known for being a little bit more environmentally conscious um, and concerned about things like that. Whereas Republicans are known for being a little bit more pro-business profitability and stuff like that. And generally the two are not seen as one and the same. Like you can't be profitable and worry about the environment, which is not true. Um, There's there's definitely a happy medium and we kind of have to work to figure that out. Yes. we, we love to see that GM is kind of plowing all of their money that they did make last quarter into something that's hopefully going to propel America forward as a more environmentally friendly country. You know, cars are obviously a huge part of carbon emissions and things like that. They also want to invest in autonomous driving, which I think Ooh. is 
super interesting autonomous driving to me seems like one of those things of the future that you always like think about when you think about like the shiny silver robot version of the future like very sci-fi movie yeah um but I mean don't you know don't mistake it is possible technology I mean it's already working there are autonomous vehicles that they're not legally allowed I don't believe to be on the road yes Alyssa do you have a question sorry I like raised my hand over the video chat um I don't know have you ever been behind one of the cars that like kind of controls like staying on the road I'm not um I drive a 2010 Honda so I definitely have not have you okay well my mom has like a fairly newer um version of a Lexus I don't know model I'm sorry I'm not a car person but I was driving it back from the airport once and I guess I got too close to the line and I physically felt the steering wheel like jerk me back into my lane and while I was very thankful for that it scared me (laughs) like I was like oh okay okay we're doing this now so that's that's my anecdote yeah I mean it's it's scary a little bit when you think about it but the collision probability is so much lower for autonomous driving cars. It is. I mean, if this is something that becomes more popular and even just cars like that, where it has like little correction features, it can park mm-hmm. for you, things like that. We could see, you know, car wrecks in this country go significantly down, which would be a good thing. Um, Absolutely. What is odd, and I guess something that they would still have to figure out is they also really want to focus on creating uh, self-driving trucks that are, you know, they're delivering freights of things to, you know, various areas cross country for manufacturing purposes or big delivery or whatever. It's going to take a lot of truck drivers out of business. Oh. And there is a driver shortage, so it would help, you know, kind of offset that. But you have to wonder, like, for people who are commercial truck drivers and stuff like that, where are they going to fit into all of this? Absolutely. How are they going to, you know, be able to find a way to make their livelihood if that's not a viable option anymore? And companies like Uber and Lyft are also looking into the self-driving market because, you know, most of their revenue that they make from giving people rides, it goes to the driver, which mm-hmm. while a good thing, doesn't mean much for the company. So it's kind of a trade-off here. It'll be interesting to see how all that plays out, kind of how the money gets shifted and how people are able to sort of find their place who are going to ultimately be very affected in their day-to-day lives by the Mm self-driving. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, so, but GM right now has um, three major electric vehicles that it's putting on the road this year. The Chevrolet Bolt, they're coming out with a new model this year. They're also going to have a fully electric Hummer, which if you guys remember when Hummer first came out, massive gas guzzler um very in my opinion tacky cars they're very large and boxy and just kind of um as well as an electric cadillac so if you're if you're bougie and you want to drive a cadillac and save the planet at the same time more power to you yeah that's what i've got for gm um it'll be interesting to see where they go in the future and hopefully they can avoid any uh two billion dollar mistakes but it's good to see that they're trying to uh, save the planet and limit car wrecks. Yeah, we love that. Ooh, all right. Should I get started? 
Yeah, <laughs> All right. So uh, to give you guys a background of where, where I come from, um, I have a journalism degree as well as a minor in women's studies, which means I love to talk about the news and I feel very strongly about a number of topics. So I'm going to give you more of like an entertainment kind of synopsis about what's been going on in the news lately. And my first topic that I want to talk about I feel like you may know it's the ever popular Framing Britney Spears documentary. I actually have not been following this, but <gasps> I am a Britney fan. Work's been busy lately. I have not had a lot of time to follow this, so please enlighten me. Completely fair. Yes. Um, also, I work a night shift for a television news station, which means I have a lot of free time during the day. So I watch a lot of television. So basically, Hulu released this documentary called Framing Britney Spears as part of a series called The New York Times Presents. So it's only one episode of an entire series, but a lot of people are mistaking it for its own like autonomous thing. And it's about the conservatorship of Britney Spears, who we all know is um, an icon in her own right. And she has been, it's Britney bitch. She's been around since the nineties. Like I remember when I was like five years old with my little hit clip listening to, oops, I did it again. Like she was, she was everything. And it really gives you um, an idea of what she's been dealing with recently, because if you think about it, in the last like two or three years, Britney's kind of been absent from the public eye a lot. And the documentary starts off in like when she was on Star Search, when she was like five years old, and it works its way up through like hit me baby one more time um her dating justin timberlake her going through like the top of her career and then we hit the stalemate that was 2007 with her custody battle between kevin Federline for their two children as well as what we all saw is just oh britney's crazy but you know like i feel like a lot of people our age annabelle can really like start to realize that as we get older, we understand a lot more what Brittany was going through. And we can, we can understand why she went a little nuts for a little bit, you know? Yeah. I think in this day and age where mental health is thankfully something that people are more open to talking about and more honest about, which is a great thing. We love to see that. Yes. Um, we can kind of see that like Brittany's not crazy. She was just in a very, very public setting and there was a lot of pressure I'm sure and anxiety and just she probably felt like she was living under a microscope so yeah it's unfortunate that she had all that negative media attention and that it you know definitely affected her like that absolutely and that's the thing I like about this documentary um I'm I'm gonna try not to spoil it for those of you who want to watch it in the future but it shows like never before seen footage of when she was on tour, all these different interviews that frankly give the very like worst questions that this young girl in the middle of the rise of her career could face. Like there's a lot of sexist questions that are thrown at her and how like suburban moms were not a fan of Britney because they felt that she was pushing their children to like, 
I don't know. I don't want to say. I was not allowed to listen to her as a child. Really? For the record, which makes me a big fan of her today. And that's probably because I couldn't listen to her as a kid. But my mom thought she was just a bad example. Yeah. Her music is not, she's got some dirty music, but like a lot of the music that was going on in the time when Alyssa and I were growing up, it was kind of the baby one more time era. That was Mm -hmm. sort of the America's sweetheart looking Britney, you know, nothing. She wasn't dancing with a boa constrictor yet. So no. Yeah. There's like a woman, I believe it's like during the period where she is dating Justin Timberlake, where the, it's either the wife of a mayor or a governor of a major town or um, state. And they literally have a clip of this woman saying like, if I could, I could, I would shoot Britney Spears. And it's like, whoa, whoa there lady. Like, whoa calm down. It's not that serious. Like, I understand you want to take care of your children, but at the end of the day, that is not Britney Spears's responsibility. Like she can be a role model, obviously, but it's not her job to teach your children what's right and what's wrong. Sorry if that's like a controversial Also, there's plenty of other celebrities who are probably worse than Britney Spears in terms of what they put out that's appropriate for children yeah like you know pretty much anybody like in I don't know people who do like really violent movies or people who do yeah like I can't think of any examples right now (laughs) Britney Spears would not be at the top of my list in terms of corrupting your children absolutely not no and Um, so another thing that I learned while watching this documentary during the 2007, um, breakdown, so to speak, I say that in air quotes, do you remember the incident where she like attacked a paparazzi's vehicle with an umbrella? I feel like I do remember seeing something like that, but it was, you know, obviously in retrospect, I was 11 at the time. Yes. Yes. Closely following (laughs) it. this is the problem like Alyssa's been glued to the television since she was like 11 years old like I I know way too much about people that don't know I exist anyways that's why we start a podcast to talk about stuff right but I learned through this documentary that that night was part of her custody battle and she had been like denied the right to see her children like Mm -hmm. she had driven to Kevin Federline's house and was like please let me see my babies and he was like no leave And she like went to a nearby gas station and was kind of like going through it, just having a moment to herself. And these paparazzi were all in her face. And she just said, you know, get away from me and physically assaulted one of their vehicles with an umbrella. And obviously, you know, like property damage is not okay. We don't support that here. But, you know, if, if I had just gone through a very traumatic experience where I was like, trying to see my children that I was being told that I could not see, like, I would have probably reacted in the same kind of way, you know? Yeah. I mean, I know when I'm emotional, I do not need to be behind the wheel of a car. I just need to take a second because I'm not, I'm not trying to go to jail for vehicular homicide by accident. Not at all. (laughs) Nothing like that. So I can understand her pulling off to a gas station to hopefully, you know, gain her composure. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. it's like that scene in um, Big Little Lies where Renata's like, can anybody give a woman a minute? Like, that's, that's exactly what I feel like she probably felt like. She just needed a minute after yes. going through something like that. And she needed her Laura Dern moment. She did. She absolutely did. I mean, 
Yeah, that's upsetting. I, again, we don't support property damage, but I mean, she snapped. It's as simple as that. Yes, absolutely. So the rest of the documentary goes in to say that because of all of this, um, traumatic stuff that was going on in the media during 2007, she was placed under a temporary, keep that in mind, conservatorship, where her father, James Spears, was put in charge. And they talk about this early in the documentary, where he didn't seem to have a very big role in her life. Like, it was very much like, oh, my mom's my best friend. My mom's always there for her. My dad's kind of like iffy on showing up to things. Mm -hmm. And it even mentions like when the conservatorship was being established, Brittany's one stipulation was, I don't want my dad in charge of it. Hmm. And yet here we are. And the conservatorship was supposed to be lifted in 2009 and it is 2021 and she is 39 years old and still under this conservatorship where her dad has control over her money as well as like other financial decisions. And actually on Thursday, they just had a, um, a hearing to see if they wanted to give James Spears increased power in the conservatorship and he was denied. And a lot of people think, yeah, exactly. A lot of people think it's because of this free Britney movement that's been going on before the documentary even came out, but especially now that it's been given a pedestal to really talk about. It's it's an interesting moment in entertainment mm-hmm. right now. It is interesting. I'll have to go watch the documentary. I mean, she's 39. Yeah. I can understand needing maybe that like extra layer of support when you are at a really hard time in your life and you know, you have young children and you're going through a divorce and a custody battle and all that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really make a lot of sense to me that it went to the dad. No. The dad was not the one she had the bond with. You would, I mean, I would want somebody I could trust wholeheartedly to have Absolutely. that sort of power. But yeah, I mean, if she's been, she's obviously still in the public eye just because she's such a pop icon. Um, mm-hmm. She did release a new album recently. Um, so she's been busy, but you're right. She's definitely not somebody who, we see in the media all the time anymore apart from this right now so mm-hmm. yeah that's um that's really interesting I hope she can kind of get that that power back yeah and obviously we wish the best for Mrs. Spears in this mm-hmm. journey but to end that story I just want to highlight I was telling one of my coworkers about like when she was um when she had her Las Vegas residency and one of my favorite like videos on the internet is like from the residency and it's her like doing her little like dance moves and it's like dun 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 and it pauses and the guy that's filming just goes who is it (laughs) and she like hears him and she like falters for a second and she just goes it's Britney bitch oh yes it's just one of my favorite videos it's so wholesome and it just makes me feel good <laughs> iconic no it'll it'll never get old while I couldn't um listen to Britney in her heyday I certainly listen to her now so oh absolutely we, we stand we stand absolutely okay so my next topic is I'm gonna I want to try something I want to have like a little interactive moment if okay. you will yeah and the 2021 nominees for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame okay. were announced this weekend. and Well, this week, I should say. It's the weekend now. But um, the list is like it, very expansive. It goes across many different genres. And while the actual inductees will not be announced until May, 
the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame actually gives people a chance to do a fan vote for who they think should be included. And I have a list of the nominees here and I've marked mine, but I want to do a little segment where I name the artist and I want to see if Annabelle can tell me one song that this person or group (laughs) has done. This is, this will be a challenge only because I promise I don't live under a rock. I mean, we started a media podcast for a reason, but I'm not the best about finding new music. I tend to stick to the artists that I know and love, and I'm not the best at branching out. So this will this will be entertaining for sure. I think you're going to do a great job. Also, okay. <laughs> Stan's rooting for you. Stanley in the back is listening. Stanley is my cat. He's like in the background of this. Okay, <laughs> so the first artist is The Go-Go's. We got the beat. Yeah, there yeah. you go. I enjoy them. Um, they're they're fun. They got some 80s bops. Yes, they do. And I didn't even realize it until I was reading an article, but they are the first all-female group, I believe, that like sang their own songs and played their own instruments to like chart in Billboard, I believe. Like oh, they're wow. they're very impressive. But yeah, That's like awesome. vacation, we got the beat, our lips are sealed. They're they're great. Okay, next person. See, you're doing great. You're doing fantastic. That's That was a softball. I like 80s music. <laughs> this, this one might be a little bit of a softball too. Tina Turner. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I, I, I admittedly always mix up Tina and Whitney Houston. I don't know why. <gasps> I know. Tina, hold on. It's funny you say that because when I was like researching this, one of the articles I read had a picture of like Whitney Houston for a related article. Okay, so um, it's not just me then. Again, I don't know why. I know they're very different and Whitney Houston is sadly no longer with us, but mm-hmm. I, man, okay. You can do uh, this. Did Tina sing? I'm sorry, I give up. Okay, that, that's okay. Um, so she's very, well, first of all, when I first saw her name on this list, I was like, there is no way that Tina Turner is not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But from what I've learned, um, we all know the story of Ike Turner. Yes, and that is what I know about her, which is important yes. because she has her own amazing music career. And Absolutely. what do I know about her? Her abusive relationship with Ike Turner. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a vital part of her story. But Ike and Tina Turner are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame already, but Tina as a solo artist is not. So she one of my favorite songs she has is obviously What's Love Got to Do With It. Mm -hmm. The best, which is a song. Um, uh, You Better Be Good to Me, which Paul Rudd lip synced to, I think, on like Jimmy Fallon a few years ago. It's a great song. Like people don't talk about uh, you better be good to me, but it's great. Also, since you may not be uh, well versed in your Tina Turner isms, I highly encourage um, the movie What's Love Got to Do with It. It's got Angela Bassett okay. playing Tina Turner and Lawrence Fishburne as Ike Turner. And you remember in that Jay Z song where he's like, eat the cake, anime? Do you remember yes. that? I think so. 
that's a reference to the what's love got to do with it movie because there's a scene where like Ike Turner they're like celebrating and he's like we got this cake for you eat the cake anime and anime is Tina Turner's real name and she's like I don't want the cake Ike and he like smashes it in her face it's a very iconic moment in in movie history but highly encourage you to go watch that movie okay funny enough the next person on the list is Jay-Z I definitely know him. I uh, <laughs> like uh, like my hip hop music. My favorite by him is "On to the Next One." According Ooh, to Spotify, yes. that was my top song of 2020. Got me through. So yes, Daisy, Mr. Beyonce Knowles. Um, yes, <laughs> only, only owner of Title Music Streaming. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely know him for sure. Yes, I have a question. Of so, course, I guess when I think of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I think of like rock bands. Mm-hmm. Is it just pretty much any music artist? I mean, Jay-Z is not a rock artist. That's a very good question because I myself also thought that. And I think what, when it first started off, it was more of a like kind of fishbowl kind of mindset. But I think now they're realizing that there are so many artists that deserve to be held up in regards to their influence and impact in the music industry and I I definitely think they've realized that they have to open it up a little bit more gotcha so they brought in it to include other genres that's good yeah not everybody can be a rock star but you can be a hip-hop star you'd be a pop star whatever you want absolutely all right next one rage against the machine bulls on parade that's impressive because I did not know that one. I literally put a star next to them. I could not name one damn song. I'm embarrassed that I knew that one and not Tina Turner. Um, but it's Each their own. It's solely because I don't listen to Rage Against the Machine personally. But um, if anybody ever played Guitar Hero 3 Legends of Rock. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> which is a very specific reference. They Rage Against the Machine to beat like one of the earlier levels you had to battle their head or their lead guitarist Tom Morello against in their song um, Bulls on Parade and I used to hate that level because that song was a lot of like screaming kind of metal sounding which I just didn't really like I would always play the volume down really low and just try and get get through it but um, look at you you little head banger I'm so proud oh yes (laughs) all right next up Carol King I've heard of her. <laughs> I need to clearly study up on my female artists. Oh, uh, you're good. I'm a little behind on that. Carol King. I can't think of a specific song by her, though. Have you heard of the album Tapestry? No. Okay, so that's like her big, biggest hit. That's where like I Feel the Earth Move came from. Okay. Um, she also has a song that I recently have been listening to a lot just because, you know, we've been in this pandemic game for almost a year now and it's called Bitter with the Sweet. And it's just a really cute little song that like, it's like, sometimes you're going to take the bitter with the sweet. That's not what it sounds like. I am not a singer. Don't. <laughs> so, but yeah. All right. Next up, Iron Maiden. They were also on Guitar Hero. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Yes, yes. This is where all my rock and roll knowledge comes from, is a video game. I love um, this. Oh, I'm trying to think of the name of the song. You can do it. Is it Black Sabbath? That's a, I think that's a different band. Mm. Oh, that Black Sabbath is a band, you're right. Iron Maiden. Oh, 
if it makes you feel any better, I did not get this one right. Like the only thing I know about Iron Maiden is, <clears throat> excuse me, it's mentioned in Teenage Dirtbag by Weedus. Like that's the, <laughs> that's the only thing I know. I'm so tempted to cheat right now. I have Spotify open in front of me. Uh, <gasps> I won't though. I won't cheat. What, what is one of their songs? I don't know. That's the thing. Like, I'm sure they're a fantastic group. We are not hating on any of these artists. We just, yeah, in our in our own minds, we, we do not have them um, memorized. Okay, next person, Shaka Khan. Yeah, I got nothing. I haven't heard of them. Really? I've not. She's my ringtone. Oh, okay. I'm every woman. Okay, we love that, but no, oh. I haven't heard of <laughs> Oh, also Iron Maiden. The song that was on Guitar Hero was called The Number of the Beast. Ooh. It was a very scary level where you were you were basically in hell and you had to battle like the devil. Gotcha. It was very like satanic themed and it, it was very scary. Giving me South Park vibes. Yes. It was it was wild. But that's oh, yeah. that was the Iron Maiden song I played on Guitar Hero. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Shaka Khan, really cool woman. Um she uh she was also in a group in the 70s. Uh if you're familiar with the song Tell Me Something Good. Mm-hmm. That's her group. So gotcha. Okay. Next up, Devo. Devo. Is it D-E-V-O or D-I-V-O? D-E-V-O. Oh, whip it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's the only one I knew by them. They're known for those hats. Yes. You know, the energy dome hats. They're cool. Mm-hmm. Uh L O Cool J. Yes. He is an icon. I remember <laughs> he was a um a guest star on Project Runway. Oh, one year, um, like as a guest judge for one of their shows. I love that for them. The f- I'm having trouble thinking of a song of him. I need to Did do Tim Gunn flirt with him. Why would he not? I, I mean, mean, you're right. You're absolutely yeah. right. He's a baddie. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Mama said, knock you out. Yes. Okay. And um, I'm also familiar with him because I used to watch like those old VH1 countdown shows and I Need Love by LL Cool J was like really big on that on that countdown. So mm-hmm. I learned about him from that. Gotcha. Mary J. Blige. Uh, Proud Mary. Good job. Good job. That song has been in my head all week. Like not Mary J. Blige's version, but like I've been listening to Proud Mary a lot recently. Good song. It's great. New York Dolls not familiar with them i am not either and i'm sure they're lovely um but we we are not uh well versed in them so no. <laughs> we'll have to go we'll have to go listen to them we'll have to yes. have a, a party with only new york dolls music okay fila kuti or fella fila fella i'm sorry if i'm mispronouncing it i have not heard of her either so he is um you're you're all good you're good i didn't i was not familiar with him so i looked him up and he was actually a um he was a musician from nigeria who he was a multi-instrumentalist he was a band leader he composed music and he was also a very big political activist and brought like traditional yoruba music and afro-cuban music into the funk and jazz scenes oh that's awesome yeah, he's he's a really cool individual. So yeah, I got a lot of talent. You yeah. should definitely be in there then for all Absolutely. That. Yeah. yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Dion Warwick. My mind went to Celine Dion when you said Dion. Um no, you're good. <laughs> not familiar with this person either. 
So she um, is actually, if I remember correctly, she is Whitney Houston's aunt. Okay. And she was really big during um, like Motown and mm-hmm. really like, I can't remember. I, I know her songs, but I can't remember them at the moment. I'm sorry. Um, hold on. Let me look them up for a second. Do, 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 do. Dion. Dion Warwick. Um, Don't Make Me Over. That's the big one that I knew. Gotcha. That's what and friends are for. I'll never love this way again. There Walk you go. Heartbreaker. Okay. Yeah. So she, she's one of those people that like, you may not know her name, but you're like, oh, that song. Yes. That kind of thing. So. Motown slaps. I'll have to go back and listen to her. Oh, absolutely. Kate Bush. Kate Bush. Any relation to the presidential Bushes? No. (laughs) (laughs) I love that though. I love that idea. That would be quite a family if they had politics and music covered. Absolutely. No, don't know her either, I'm afraid. So she is an English singer-songwriter. Uh, she had a lot of top 40 hits like Wuthering Heights, The Man with a Child in His Eyes, uh, my favorite title, Babushka. Babushka um, okay. She also had a duet with Peter Gabriel of um, Genesis fame. So okay. she's, she seems like a really cool, like kind of um, like gay rights icon. Like she oh, seems awesome. like she's like been with it for a while. So we'll okay. have to look more into her. Absolutely. All right. Almost done. Todd Rundgren. Were the big ones first? I feel yes. like this is just getting harder. Okay. Yeah. Yes. No. <laughs> I got nothing on Todd. The only song I know by him is the one because my family, um, my my parents are a little older. So I listen to a lot of like 70s, 80s, 90s hits a lot in the car rides. And my mom loves 70s on seven. And his biggest song is a very popular a choice on that radio and it's hello it's me mm-hmm. and I know what you're thinking it's not Lionel Richie's hello. hello um it's the one that I don't know how to describe the the beat of the song but it starts out and he's like hello it's me uh, it kind of sounds like the cheers music okay <laughs> so he seems lovely but that was the only song I can name by him and last but not least the Foo Fighters learn to fly got that one that was from, that's how I knew them because literally um, Guitar Hero, the only song that I was good at was Learn to Fly by the Learn to Fly, yeah, that one was on there. They're in, that song's in a car commercial that's like on right now. I heard it like last night when I was watching tennis. I love I that. We love Dave Grohl. Sorry guys, but um, <laughs> yeah, that one I know. Sorry, I, that's probably batting less than 500 there. I'll have to go do some more research. On no, it. you did pretty good. Like you, you did awesome. I'm very proud of you. I'm always proud of you, but oh, I'm very you. proud of you. And once again, if you guys want to uh, go vote for your faves, like if you're a big old Todd Rundgren fan, you can head over to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame website and do a fan vote so we'll we'll be looking forward to seeing who makes the cut come may but yeah that's all i got for this week it's exciting so thank you guys for um joining us this is our first episode of woes media this has been kind of a brainchild of Alyssa and i's for a little bit now um with her kind of background in pop culture and just kind of loving being a content creator and stuff like that um and me i've 
guest starred on a couple of um, reality TV podcasts, just like as something to kind of as a contributor um, here and there, but I've really enjoyed it. So I kind of wanted to see if I can make my own show. And with Felissa and I being best friends, we, we thought this would be a good, good duo. So hopefully Soul mates, but yeah. Yeah. What'd you say? Soulmates, but yeah, Soulmate. I guess. Oh, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> For this Valentine's Day weekend. Um, but yeah, we, we will be back with more news and more pop culture topics. So thank you for joining us on Woe is Media. Yay!